If you drive through a crowded parking lot, you can pretty well tell what a lot of people believe just by looking at their bumper stickers and the window stickers on their cars. But there is a better way, because if you really want to know what a person believes, it's seen in what they do. Well, welcome to Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And this idea of showing what we believe in what we do, that's going to be our topic today as we are in our third session from the book of James. Chris, good to be with you for another podcast. Hey, thanks, Lynn. I I have to tell you, uh, I meant I immediately went to a Batman Begins quote uh, when I was thinking about it's not who you are, but it's but you know it's it's what you do that matters. So here's the quote from Batman Begins: "It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me." Well, joining Chris and I for this conversation today is Dr. Brian Beyer. Brian, thanks for being with us for another podcast. Glad to be back, and I can certainly relate to that uh, parking lot illustration at the beginning, as you see on bumper stickers, but also I've noticed a recent trend. I think at least down here in South Carolina, it's a recent trend. I noticed that when people get into parking lots, whether it's a church parking lot or the Walmart parking lot or anything in between, a new favorite pastime seems to be to back into the spot. And I'm trying to figure that out. I was in Costa Rica one year and we went to a volcano and at the parking lot, it said, everybody please back into your spots just in case the volcano erupts. We need to get out of here fast. But I don't think that's going to happen at church or at Walmart or somewhere in between. So I think, though, it's maybe a reflection of what people believe. That is, their action shows they feel it is safer and that they are less likely to have an accident if they back into the spot at first when they can control the outcome, as opposed to backing out later and somebody hits them. I'm not sure. So I I think from practical experience, I think it's about the cameras. Cameras make it easier to back into a space. Um, Yeah, but so I'm at the stage of my life where I recognize that I never look behind me. (laughs) So backing in or pulling into a space where I can pull out forward is going to keep me from hitting somebody or running into somebody or have someone scream dirty words at me for uh, backing into them or blocking their path. So. But I, uh, I think that I think it's safe to assume that the earth, the volcano issue is not the reason people back into spaces at Walmart. Brian, whether you back in um, or you just pull in like a normal person, I'm glad you're on this podcast with us. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Beyer has been a, a recent con- a writer for our advanced Bible study, that supplemental commentary, does a great job, been writing for LifeWay for years. Uh, Brian is the professor of Bible at Columbia International University, and uh, he's got a wealth of information that he brings to us every time we enlist him to write. So, Brian, thank you for writing and thank you for podcasting with us. Well, what we're in, we are in James chapter two, which is uh, looking at this idea of this, this is our point, what you believe is seen in what you do. For our third session of, of James, let me just pick up reading in verse 14. And what we're going to see in verses 14 through 17 is this idea that a faith not backed up by our actions is a useless faith. This is what James wrote. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but does not have works? Can such a faith save him? 
So if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, (laughs) what good is it? And in the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. So, guys, our lead question for um, this study, our icebreaker, is who's someone you appreciate for practicing what they preach? So I think that that will generate a lot of conversation. It'll cause people to think about people in their lives who actually lived out their faith. Um, Anybody come to mind for either one of you? For me, it's my dad. My dad was somebody who always lived out his faith, as well as my mom. Uh, The earliest memories that I have are of my mother telling me about Jesus. So partly as a consequence of her faithful witness to me, I became a follower of Jesus really early. And then when my mother got into her late 20s, early 30s, she began to battle rheumatoid arthritis. And I saw it cripple her over the next 35 years before the Lord took her home but I also saw her serve as best as she could in whatever role she could. Her joints hurt, but she could sing in the choir or she could help the pastor with some filing, even though it would be hard for her to run a typewriter. And I saw her to the extent that she could live out her faith. And my dad to a large extent was the same way. He talked about the importance of the word of God, but for years he taught middle school boys Sunday school. And so with both my parents, I feel like I have a great example of of people who both told me, hey, your faith is important, but they lived it out before me and what they did. Yeah, I had a lot of the same experience with my parents. They it it it, living out the Bible and was so natural and normal for them Um, when people talk about. um, Hypocrites and people not living what they what they say. Yeah, it it wasn't like that in my house. You know, my, my, my mom and dad were just. Um, honest, faithful, loyal to the church, loyal to the Lord, just uh, in every aspect of their lives. So uh, it it made it for a for a child easy to to follow that pattern because that's what I knew. It's sad that um, I, I can immediately think of a lot more examples of people who said they had a faith, but it wasn't backed up in their actions. Uh, I think the 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 largest area we see this in these days is with social media, uh, where where it's easy to be critical or it's easy to spout off your viewpoint because um, uh, you're, you're at a safe distance away. I've got some friends on Facebook that are great about Easter, <clears throat> mentioning the resurrection of Christ, greatest event in history. They really tout Jesus. But then between the holidays, the religious holidays, they're spouting off vindictive, hateful statements that are maybe driven by politics. Uh, And I thought, and even some of the language they use um, just to, to express their opinions. I think, you know, what you've said about the resurrection of Christ and then you say it's 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 uh, two different voices coming out of the same person, and there was an, an issue for me where their fa- their faith is not seen in their works in, in the works in the sense of how, what they said. I have to just say too, I just loved this uh, opportunity to do these uh, lessons for on the study of James. Uh, that verse fourteen, I love the way the CSB renders it. You know what? It's a rhetorical question. What good is it? Uh, 
James is not looking for, well, you know, it's good in this way. It's good in this way. It's good in this way. No, what good is it? Like, it's not any good. It's not any good. And I, I love the rendering there. If someone claims, you know, literally, if someone says he has faith, but really that's the idea that he's claiming, but it's clear he doesn't have faith because of the way he responds. And the, the question again, can such faith save him? Literally, mm. that kind of faith can't save him, can it? Expected answer, no. And so right up front in this section, James is laying a foundation for how he's going to start in by explaining, hey, you know, there, there's a definite connection here. If we really believe something, people are going to see it in what we do. So let's let's talk from the outset about the theological debate uh, that has been going on in the church for centuries in regard to this issue of Paul's perspective, which, which is very clear, uh, you are saved by grace through faith, and it's nothing that you do. And James' perspective, James' statement here and other places that there needs to be evidence of, of, of your faith in what you do, in the works that you do. Uh, when people have that discussion, I we can, of course, go to Romans and then go to James, but I also go to Ephesians 2, because in verses 8 and 9, Paul gives a great, very definitive statement, therefore, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And somebody says, oh, see, it's not works. But then verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to do. So right in that same context where Paul says, now it's not by works, he says, but but we've been created to do good works. And so uh, the more I've studied, again, just I mean, in this study, even though Paul and James use that same word justified, uh, it's clear that they're using it in a little bit different way. And they're not arguing against each other. They're really complimenting each other. I think they'd be okay in the same room together. <laughs> good word. Good to know. But it's interesting that Martin Luther, as I understand from history, did not feel that way. Uh, of course, Romans Romans was such a impactful epistle in his life with that uh, the whole thing about being justified by faith that he just he he wrote off the book of James. Uh, he did. He I think the the term I don't know how it would have been rendered in German, but he called it something like a right strawy epistle. Right. He did not like that strong emphasis in our passage for today. And just sort of, yeah, wrote it off. Didn't didn't spend a lot of time with it. But do we see the value of what James is saying here? This is you say you've got this faith, then it needs to be seen what you do. And he uses an example. Says if you see someone who's who's uh, doesn't have clothes or doesn't have food. As I understand the emphasis in this passage, it's not like they don't have enough clothes or they don't have the appropriate clothes. They got nothing. They've, they've got, you know, maybe they have an undergarment and that's it. And the idea of uh, with no food, it's like they've gotten absolutely nothing to eat. It's not just that they have a, you know, a, a weak old thing of kumquats. They've got nothing. And so he says, just look at them and say, hey, just say, you know, just kind of put a blessing on their life. That is not enough. You're not showing faith in that. Uh, faith steps in, you trust God, and you're going you're gonna to be the one God's going to use to work in their life and support them. Right. Basically just making the point, if, if God has put you in a position where you can meet the need of that person, then very likely that's God's way of blessing the other person through you. And then you are blessed by your giving. The other person is blessed by receiving. God receives the glory 
Uh, John deals with that same issue in First John, where he says, anyone who has the world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? So they go at the same issue from a little bit of different perspective. Faith is more than merely what we believe. You come to verse 18, James chapter 2. James continues and says, yeah, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Good. Well, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? I love the way he states that. Man, you've got this faith? Good. Well, even, even the demons kind of believe <laughs> Brian, tell us a little bit about what you did with that um, in the uh, advanced commentary to talk about that verse uh, 19. Well, first, I was just going to say, as, as James starts off with verse 18, he has a strong word there. There are different words that are translated into English as the conjunction, but, uh, but it's a strong word here. Now, but let me, let me just make sure you understand this, because here, here's my point, you know, but after saying faith without works is dead, then he says, but look, or faith, yeah, it's dead by itself if, if it has no works with it. Then he says, but now, but now, hear me now. Somebody will say, you, strongly emphasize mm. there, you have faith, I have works. You show me your faith without works, but I'll show you my faith literally out of my works, out of my works. I'm, I'm, but the, the faith becomes obvious as people see what I'm doing. And then really to kind of, drive home his point. He, again, you know, you believe that God is one. Well, that, that's good. I mean, <laughs> you have plenty of demons who would agree with you, uh, but it's not changing their life and it should change yours. And so uh, it's one thing to just sort of mentally subscribe to that idea, but James is not, he's pushing more than mental assent. He's saying that the best proof that you really are a follower, uh, not just somebody who believes like the demons, but their day is coming, but somebody who really backs up what they say with not only with reverence for God, but with action for God. Um, as I was going through this study, I was just reminded that um, one of the dangers that, that we have in the church today is that um, there are a lot of people who do good things, who do good works, can get sucked into the dynamic of if I do these good things, not necessarily to earn their salvation, that's not probably what they think, but the, if, if what they have seen is other people doing good things, maybe they, they, their faith becomes stuff that they do, works that they do, and, and they don't realize that there needs to be, a, along with that, a commitment to Christ to follow him because they think, well, I'm doing good stuff. And again, I don't think they necessarily think about it from a, if I do enough good things, I'll get in. But it's just that, oh, uh, I go to church. People who go to church do good things. So I do good things. So I'm in. Does that make sense? Well, no, people shouldn't do that. But, no, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it does. The, I had a professor in seminary who said, the faith that saves is the faith that works. And he was simply making the point that James is that the mark of genuine faith is works. But to your point, Chris, I mean, you're right. There are people who are trusting in their works 
well, I'm a good person. It can go to that as people mimic maybe their Christian friends doing certain things and they begin to trust in those things without the relationship by grace through faith in Christ. And then James would want to warn those people too, although they're not the focus of what he's talking about here. He's focusing on people who say they believe, but they do nothing. But there may be people who do a lot, but they really don't believe. And so uh, point well taken. We have to be careful that in our zeal to do good works, it doesn't just become about look at me, look at what I'm doing, or maybe using that strictly as my measuring stick. Jim Wilson in his uh, uh, writing about James in our personal study guides um, has this quote, works aren't what we do for salvation. It's what we do because of salvation. I think you said the same thing just a few minutes ago when we were looking at verses um, uh, 16 through eight, th 16 and 17. You're right. And our faith leads to this vital, life-changing, transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. And then what grows out of that life-changing relationship with Christ is the works that I do. Because I'm transformed by Christ, it's going to transform what I do as well. Yeah, they go, they, they go hand in hand. Certainly do. And so with that, this idea that our faith, it's going to be seen in our obedience. What James does as he continues on, he's going to use two examples, uh, two characters, uh, individuals out of the Old Testament. Now, let me pick up in verse 21. Wasn't Abraham, our father, justified by works in offering Isaac, his son, to the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works. And by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. We see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? But just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So I almost want to laugh out loud when, when I see James making this presentation and saying, well, look at our father Abraham and using several verses to, uh, to talk about that. And one of my favorite verses is Genesis 15, 6, Ab uh, 5 and 6, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So it's really clear uh, from an Old Testament and New Testament perspective that uh, just the fact that Abraham, when God said, look at the stars of the skies, can you count them all? So shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed God. And that belief, that faith, that trust in God caused God to, in accounting terms, say, okay, this, this one's in. This one's righteous because he trusts me. He believes in me. This passage here, the quoting about Abraham believed God and was credited him as righteousness, this one is quoted repeatedly in the New Testament, just under, un, underscoring how important that truth, that principle is. Really is. I was just thinking about that too, Lynn, as you read it, that this is the verse that Paul quotes in Romans 4 when he's arguing for salvation by grace through faith. And he talks about Abraham's example, but he highlights this one. Was Abraham our forefather saved according to works? No, he has nothing to boast about before God because as the scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him or reckoned to him for righteousness. So it's fascinating to me that James quotes the same verse here uh, from Genesis 15. But then when James talks about 
you see, you know, we're not really saved by faith alone. I go back to verse 14, where he says, can that kind of faith, can such faith, the faith that has no works, can that save him? That that's really the context of what he's talking about is people who just say, well, this is my, this is my mental assent to this doctrine or whatever. And then their lives just do not back it up. And again, James and Paul are not at odds with each other. James is just making the point, well, yeah, but shouldn't there be works? But again, Paul says it in just a different way in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. I'm grateful that we're looking at this passage because I think I think it will jolt some people in our groups. It will cause them to think about faith and works, uh, maybe from a unique or different perspective, one that they haven't maybe thought of um, in a while. I think we, it seems like we've been in a cycle where we talked a lot about um, the reality that you that works in and of themselves can't get you in, that you can't be a good enough person to go to heaven. But um, it just seems like it's a good time in this, in this season of the church uh, for uh, this perspective from James to be what we're talking about. And I, uh, I agree with you, Chris. It's a fascinating contrast that James mentions Abraham, the father of our faith, you know, but then Rahab, Canaanite woman, prostitute from Jericho, but I've stood on the tell of Jericho, and I've made the observation that when the Israelite people came through the pass over by Mount Nebo, the people of Jericho could have seen them coming. The people of Jericho saw them coming out into the plain, and a chapter later, they're going to see the Jordan River part, and then they realize, wow, we don't have any, we're, we're toast. I mean, we, we, but Rahab sees them coming, and she says to the spies, we heard about what your God did in Egypt and what you did to the kings on the east side of the Jordan. But everybody else in Jericho heard the same thing. But while everybody else is planning to batten down the hatches and get ready for this assault by the Israelites, Rahab looks and she sees all this and she says, their God is God, which she says in chapter two to the spies. Now, how does she demonstrate that? By hiding them. Because if the people of Jericho really have a chance and they win, then maybe they find out Rahab hid the spies and then her life is over. But she risks her life on the basis of what she believes now. And she says to the spies, I showed you kindness. Now you show me kindness, save my life because I saved yours. And her actions demonstrate powerfully her faith that she sees to, and chooses to exercise as she looks across the Jordan Valley and sees the advancing Israelite group. Several years ago, I did uh, a series of studies with Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans, and uh, he, he pointed out uh, to us when doing that study that every time that Rahab is mentioned in the in scriptures, it's Rahab the harlot. <laughs> So it's not easy. So he was funny. He was like, give the girl a break. <laughs> Why are you going to do that there? Uh, but uh, over and over again, we have, I mean, in, in Jesus genealogy, she shows up. Uh, there's so many places where, where we read about, um, about Rahab. And uh, I love the analogy and the example that you gave of, of what it must have been like for the people of Jericho to know and have to have heard all those things. And then to see thousands of people come and begin to walk around the, 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 uh, the walls of Jericho. It had to be a scary thing. And uh, uh, she had acted by faith and God rewarded uh, her faith and saved her and her family. So what Rahab believed, it was seen by what she did. 
And it's the same principle for us today. What you believe is seen in what you do. Gentlemen, thanks for a good conversation. Uh, I do think this is a fascinating passage worth worth certainly worth talking about because it's in scripture. But I think just, uh, Chris, as you said, even where we are today, uh, this is something we need to talk about and be clear what the scripture says and live in obedience to it. So if you lead a group or if you're a part of a group, uh, be aware that there may be a little bit of tension and maybe a little bit of, I don't know, uh, that's been going on for thousands of years and that's okay. Uh, this is an important dialogue and conversation for us to have in our, in our groups to talk about the importance of faith and works in a believer's life. Brian. Absolutely. Um, I, I just love this passage. Uh, it sounds a lot to me like the prophets. I spend a lot of time in the old Testament as well. And in the prophets, when I read them, there is just so much of this emphasis uh, no prophet says it exactly like this, but something like, don't tell me you believe that if this is how you live. There's just that constant emphasis in the prophets that Israel, Judah, you're not backing up with your actions, what you profess with your lips. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This kind of thing from Isaiah that, that yeah, we want to see it. God wants to see it. Now he knows the heart. And he knows that there may be times where our hearts are right with him, but there's not a lot of action for whatever. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe there are some struggles that we're having and we're not as active. But by and large, our lives should show, uh, reveal the faith that we're professing with our lips. Well said. Dr. Byer, thank you for joining us for this podcast bringing some good insight into this. And uh, so if you don't have a copy of Advanced Bible Study, I encourage you to, to get one. Uh, you can read uh, Dr. Byer's comments uh, as we unpack the book of James. And uh, Chris and I just hope that uh, as you prepare, as you look forward to your Bible study this week, that God will do some great work as y'all talk about this truth, that what you believe is seen in what you do. Have a great Bible study. <music>